Welcome to QTalks, a podcast series by QTAC, the Cambridge University Technology and Enterprise Club. I'm Shreya. And I'm Thomas. And we're your hosts for QTalks, a series for aspiring innovators in which we talk about the typical and not the typical journeys of making ideas reality and changing the world. This week on QTalks, we're doing a special feature on female founders. We will be joined by Jennifer Gia, founder of Empulsand, a company empowering women through access to sanitation, as featured on the BBC. They are repurposing waste cuts of clothing into sanitary towels, making them more accessible to women in poverty. We met Jennifer at Enterprise Tech and Enterprise Women programs at the Judge Business School and are delighted to welcome Jennifer to the show. Hi, Jen. Thanks for coming on the show with us today. Thank you so much for inviting me. You're welcome. <laughs> if you could start by telling us about your background. Great. So I'm a third year PhD student in the Department of Clinical Neuroscience. And uh, my institute is the Cambridge Stem Cell Institute. And I do work on brain plasticity. Fab. So how does that relate to Empelsand? Interesting question. So uh, when I came to Cambridge, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I got the Gates Scholarship from the Gates Foundation. And um, the Gates Foundation has a huge mission of being ambitious for other people. And I kind of scouted around about uh, two years without really knowing how I fit it into, you know, the Gates Foundation and the Gates Scholars. And I stumbled upon this hackathon at the Royal Academy of Engineering. And it was about sustainability in a world where we have 10 billion people. What could we do to help the world? And Ampersand stemmed from that. So what is Ampersand about? So Ampersand is the umbrella of our company, which is a brand on empowering women through sanitation. Um, we have our first product that we're working on, which is called MPAD or Empowering Pad. And it's a sanitary towel for women who cannot afford high quality products. And MPAD is made out of um, recycled clothing. So consumed clothing or uh, cut waste from uh, textile manufacturers and we want to repurpose all this textile that normally goes to landfill into sanitary pads for women. And how big of a problem is it that uh, women don't have access to maybe modern sanitized pads? I would say quite big. So um, an estimation would be 500 million women across the world do not have access to sanitary pads. Um, this is in both developed and developing countries, but this problem is different. So in developed countries, um, people cannot buy these very uh, expensive products by Procter & Gamble. And um, instead they use newspaper. So you will actually hear um, uh, schoolgirls in the UK not being able to go to school because they have no tampons and pads. Whereas if you look at developing countries, they have a totally different system. They use leaves, rags and ashes uh, instead. And there's a lot of stigma and therefore they go on for um, very many days, so probably a week or maybe more without going to school and that interrupts with life. So overall, it is quite a big problem, period poverty. 
Mm-hmm. How do you find being a social venture with clearly a very important mission, but in an ecosystem such as Cambridge that is largely focused on the latest tech and kind of hype um, around technology, as opposed to uh, sort of what you're trying to do, which I think is very valuable, but maybe underestimated or undervalued by investors and people in the entrepreneurship mm-hmm. community? This is a really good question because Cambridge is all about the next unicorn for mm-hmm. biotech or you know the next AppCam. So I would say, uh, as a social venture, it's very difficult to uh, thrive um, because the emphasis is not on social innovation in Cambridge. There is definitely a uh, social innovation center headed by Belinda Bell at the Judge Business School, but it is not very well known. And uh, as a result, it is very hard to get support. So the way that I pitch my company is not that I'm a charity because a lot of times people think, oh, social is a charity, it's a nonprofit. It is not like that. It is more of a venture that has a social underlining and therefore we want to be as competitive as possible and I would say that um, it is hard to navigate but we are more in the area of um, impact investment mm-hmm. and so what 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 is your approach with your social venture to address the problem you have identified my approach is pretty simple so I would say with our company our value statement is that if we can help any woman, we would. Mm-hmm. So any period tackled is a victory. We want to start with something that is in dire need. So that's why we started with India, because we have connections um, with the Gates Foundation, such as Gavi, the, the uh, Vaccine Alliance, um, and also friends and family and other scholars being from India, knowing um, the slums in Mumbai and things like that. Um, In the initial phases, we want to test our product and um, launch a MVP and collect data to see whether this product is acceptable or not. Mm -hmm. If it is, then we'll actually manufacture on site. Mm -hmm. And hopefully with social support, the support of the public, we want to start premium products in the West also. So we could definitely have empaths let's say in India, Mm -hmm. and a branch of that in the UK or in the States where we sell biodegradable tampons at a premium so that it can subsidize the product in developing countries. And do you already have a sense for what it would take to be competitive from a price and maybe product performance point of view in a developing country such as India? I would say in terms of the product performance, it has to perform uh, the basic need of a pad. So Mm. it should last four to eight hours. It should be inconspicuous. And frankly, a pad is not really, you know, the biggest technology out there or innovation. Um, So that's one thing. Uh, Two, I think social stigma is very... uh, apparent in um, India and, I don't know, China, Vietnam, and all these textile manufacturing countries that receive a lot of clothing and make a lot of new clothing. Um, And crossing that social barrier is very, very important. The second thing is you said something about being competitive, right? Mm, So from a price point, so if the alternative is right now, maybe 
using leaves, as you said. Right. So what are people actually prepared to pay for to get a maybe better product, but they also need to be able to afford it, of course. So what's, what do you think is the price point at, at which maybe the, the population you're targeting mm -hmm. are actually able and prepared to go for the alternative which you then provide? So I would say if we talk about India, mm -hmm. there is around 500 million women uh, in the country. Of that, about half, so 250, are within menstruation age. Mm -hmm. And within that, 43 million cannot afford anything. Mm -hmm. So that means that most products are high-end, like Kotex. Um, they target the 200 million women. Mm -hmm. And there is about 50 million women that are left with pretty much not anything. Mm -hmm. And therefore, they use these methods that are not sanitary and therefore they get a lot of infections. Mm -hmm. So this market is actually untapped and they don't have anything to start with and mm -hmm. we want to start targeting them first. We're not competing with high-end products. Mm -hmm. So I think the barrier to entry is not really the quality of the product mm -hmm. or um, uh, other competitive uh, competitors, but actually how you get to these people because mm. they're located in villages, they're located in slums. Um, they might have uh, low educational backgrounds. They don't understand, mm -hmm. you know, uh, menstrual hygiene and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I think it is a different problem than just um, being competitive. Mm. Now that's a different thing for the company because the company itself needs to be a competitive company mm -hmm. um, with a social underlining so that we don't fall back onto a nonprofit charity model mm -hmm. depending on funding. And mm -hmm. that's why we're trying to build a brand over the product. Mm -hmm. No, I'm, I'm really fascinated by, by, by your challenge. And in a sense, you're actually trying to overcome almost a paradox because there's a huge problem i think you have identified yet the the people who might benefit most from it are possibly also the people who cannot afford it so how as a social venture mm -hmm. are you then able to address a problem where you can't get anyone to pay for it and so what's what's the business model maybe that that you're thinking about i, I suppose that's what i meant by competitiveness mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. exactly so it is definitely a problem so if you look at tom's the the shoe company mm -hmm. um they used to have a model of buy one donate one mm -hmm. um so initially we thought about the beneficiary model which could uh be good and that is something that we could definitely implement in the future but Currently, we think that numbers are really important mm -hmm. because the paths we want to make are going to be around to be sold at 1P. And that's our target. Mm -hmm. Initially, it's not going to get there, mm -hmm. but we hope that it will get there. But our business model is that lots of companies, especially like H&M, The Gap, they have revenues that amount to about 20 billion a year. Mm -hmm. They cause a lot of pollution in terms of water they use, mm -hmm. as well as textile manufacturing because of fast fashion. Every single season they have to punt, like push out so much clothing and they don't do much in terms of recycling. And there is a lot of backlash because of climate change, because of pollution, because of carbon emissions that they do invest a lot of money. So for example, the H&M Foundation, which is a subsidiary, I think, of H&M, mm -hmm. invests 15 million in India for youth empowerment, education, as well as water sanitation. So our values are very aligned with their values. And that's why we want to first collect data on our empath 
through field work mm -hmm. and then partner with these big institutions that are either big conglomerates of fashion brands like Caring or big retail houses like H&M um, so that we will have a sustained partnership and they have a lot of leverage. Mm -hmm. That is the optimal goal. So you mentioned social stigma earlier attached to this topic. Um, have you found that in going into this field yourself that it has been kind of attached to your personal brand um, and have you found it also difficult to approach investors um, in a kind of male-dominated business environment um, in getting your point across? Absolutely. It is very hard to convince uh, anyone who doesn't relate to this problem to invest. Because one, um, as a social venture, even though not all of the profit is um, reinvested into the company, a person who is really interested in just money is not going to invest. Mm. Second, I think a lot of people don't understand that menstruation is a huge problem and it's not a problem for women is a problem for society and in there needs to be a societal change in order for people to accept this because if you look at the period movement which was started by nadia in the states she did this campaign that says what if you told men that toilet paper is not free in the toilets you wouldn't even think about that right because if there is a toilet there must be toilet paper. But it's the same thing for women, right? If there is a toilet, there's toilet paper, but there's no tampons or pads. And that's one fourth of our life. Um, so I think with the social venture, we are building a brand to get public support and also to do campaigning to change the thinking of people. Because if we don't do that, then the investors, which are frankly most of the time, white and male are not going to invest because they don't understand the problem. Do you find yourself then gravitating more towards women? Yes. I think the ideal investor for my company would be a philanthropist like Melinda Gates. But the problem is I need support from everyone. And that is why I try very hard to network with everyone and see and to try to convince them that this is a huge problem. And a lot of the time, people are very sympathetic. You know, dads or brothers who have sisters, mm. who have daughters, they do understand this problem. So it's not a huge barrier that people think. But at the same time, it is not a smooth going entry in. I think it's actually fascinating that you address this with recycled clothing and maybe a fun question to ask at the mm -hmm. at the end is, what other uses can you envision mm -hmm. for recycled clothing? I think recycled clothing has a lot of potential. So you can make nappies. Mm -hmm. So if I make pads, of course, I would be making nappies or um, uh, scarves. So for example, in um, developing countries, there is a lot of child and mother mortality, mm -hmm. especially child mortality, because they don't know what to do with the baby when you have a mother who is, frankly, a child herself. And 
um, the Gates Foundation, they introduce kangaroo care, which is to hold your baby, to warm them and uh, to care for them. And actually holding them within that first few hours is critical in the survival of the child. So we could see ourselves making, you know, scarves, uh, like a band to do kangaroo care. Um, and at the same time, we can make blocks that can be used for insulation for housing or carpets. So I would say lots of things can be made out of recycled clothing. Exciting. Well, thank you so much for being on the show with us. That was very interesting. It was my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much to Jennifer for joining us on this special feature of Q Talks. We're always excited to hear from female founders. So if you are a female founder or if you know any, please do get in touch with QTech on our website at qtech.io. This podcast was produced by Carl Homer from Cambridge TV. Cambridge TV.